want to also uh, pray before we get started here with the message. may not be the case, but I felt tonight that there were more people that were struggling than normal. There, there are people that are struggling here that need to be lifted up. If that's you, raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Struggling more than normal. Raise your hand. And uh, if you're around somebody who's really struggling, then you put your hand on. Let's stand with them. Let's fight for them. Let's believe for them. Believe that they're able to walk into their God-appointed destiny, that they won't miss it, that they'll see God's hand on their life. Father, we pray against discouragement tonight. We pray that you would lift up their eyes. Lift up their eyes so that they can see you. Whether the circumstances changes, we pray that their outlook could change. Their interpretation of what they see could change. We pray that you'd free them from being guided by their circumstances. That they'd be guided by your presence in their life. That there'd be a confidence that would grow in them. We bless them. We fight with them. We fight for them in Jesus' name. It's a fight. It's a battle. And we don't want to give in. We're not going to give in. Paul said, I have fought the fight. I fought the good fight. That's a good fight, to fight the fight of faith. That's a good fight to fight. We don't get passive. We don't back off. We don't just let whatever happens, happens. We're not thermos, thermometers. We're thermostats. We want to be thermostats. We want to change the environment if we have to. We don't just measure it. We change it. We're game changers. And we bless you that have struggled. That you don't need to struggle. That, that you, you, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is a struggle, but then peace. Let peace come to them in the midst of it, Lord. Let peace come to them right in the midst of the struggle. Lord Jesus, you fought against the powers of darkness as you entered your ministry, and you won over Satan. Amen. 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 Hey, we get bread every week. And we get more than uh, we can handle. And so please, please take this bread. I just like to throw it out there. You know, <laughs> we, we don't want this bread to, not to be used. So, so grab some. Give it to, give it to next, somebody next to you. We, we don't. Hi, Josh. There's more here. There's a lot of it. Give, give some to Adam. Okay. You lucked out, Adam. Way to go, man. Anybody else want some? Everybody raise your hand if you want some. I'll, I'll hit you. I'll, I'll hit you. Okay. I like this. Who wants rolls? Who wants rolls? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Let's pray. We surrender. We surrender our thoughts, our opinions, our attitudes, our prejudices, our struggles. We give in now. We say, you have your way 
in our midst. Thank you that you are here. You are here to bless us. You are here to encourage us. You are here to challenge us. Do it in a wonderful way. We come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ten years ago, we were in the family room. We were having morning devotions together. And I was reading from Luke chapter 14, where it talks about giving to the needy. Just don't, don't invite people that can pay you back. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and you will not be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You'll be repaid. Listen to that. You will be repaid if you do that. And so, Chorus, age 10, said, what do we get? Good question. That was a fair question to ask. If, if he's going to repay us, what's he going to give us? And I, I wasn't able to give her a very good answer, but it's interesting to me that she asked because she wanted a reward. And she, this said she'd get one. Is that, is that antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it antithetical to the grace of God? We're going to talk about rewards tonight. And for some of us, it messes with our theology of grace. Andrew was playing on a basketball team as a, he was a sophomore, and I was coaching. They, the last game was scheduled to be at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. Guess where I was? I wasn't at the game. I had to ask Doug to coach the team, and I was at church preaching, and Doug said to Andrew, go out there and play like a wild man. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew scored 30 points. He pulled down 15 rebounds. The team won, and that pulled Andrew into the all-star team. Wish I would have seen the game. I, I, I probably would have gone crazy. I don't know if I could have handled it. I probably would have gone crazy. But my, was I proud of my son. I want you to catch the heart tonight of a father who invites you to his family, then gives you gifts in advance that you're going to walk into and gives you grace to do them, and then rewards you for doing that. Amen. What is that all about? It's grace from start to finish. God just pours it on. I would love to honor my family. I love to honor my kids. I love contests. I love games. You spend a little time with the Andersons, sooner or later you're going to be involved in some kind of contest, some kind of game. Some, we'll be doing push-ups or we'll be doing planks or we'll be some kind of contest. It's fun. I was at seminary. And the professor said, now this isn't homework, 
I'm not assigning this, but I'm challenging you to write a paper on comparing this chapter and this chapter in the book of 2 Thessalonians. And there's a prize. That's all he had to say. There's a prize. I like prizes. Does anyone here like prizes? Anyone, anyone, anyone like going for a prize? Look at the hand. Prizes are fun. You know who else likes prizes? God likes prizes. You maybe didn't know that, but God loves prizes. He loves to give prizes. He loves to give awards. He loves to bless and honor his kids. So I did this paper, and I won. Now, I don't know if anybody else entered. They probably didn't because it, was an, it wasn't an assignment, but I, I really felt good that I won the contest. <laughs> I'll never know if I was the only one. I did a pretty good paper. I got a book, never opened it, but I got the prize. <laughs> so I want to challenge your heart with Scripture tonight about rewards and about prizes. So let me ask you, here's Jesus, the one full of grace, right? Of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Does Jesus talk about rewards? Six times in the Sermon on the Mount alone. Open your Bibles to Matthew. Chapter 5. Okay. Sure. Um, the scripture that Paul just read at the beginning, uh, we forgot about one story that really applies here. I have a friend, uh, she happens to be Japanese, but her son is a youth director up near Elk River. And their church happens to have a lot of uh, recovering drug addicts. So when her, um, John got married, who did they invite? All these drug addicts, and what did they tell them? Don't worry about bringing anything. Maybe, uh, you know, some Coke or whatever. I mean, uh, well. <laughs> yeah. Pepsi. Coke. How about oranges? Leave the Coke at home. So they had pizza, and they kept ordering more and more pizza. Now, did they have wedding gifts? Really, not very many. And what a gift that was That's fantastic. to all these people that were just wanting to know more about Jesus. Good. Very cool wedding. Cool. Thank you, honey. Nick and Tabitha, by the way, are getting married this weekend on Friday night. So what does Jesus say about rewards? Chapter 5. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. What does it say? 
If you get persecuted, God's going to even the score. Rewards balance justice and mercy. And there is justice, if not now, later. And those who are persecuted, they're going to reap a great reward. Great is your reward. There are people now in Vietnam, Sarah, probably up in the hills. We heard heard about it. You know about it. Being beat up for their faith. People in China, people in Nigeria, people in Somalia who are struggling or being persecuted. I'd love to say to them, if I could, great is your reward. As you endure this, as seeing him who is invisible, Jesus cares about you, and he's going to settle the score, and great will be your reward. Going on to chapter 6, talks about these hypocrites who give to the needy so that others can see. And Jesus says, you just got your reward. That's what you wanted? You got it. But if you give without your right hand knowing what your left hand is doing, the Father who sees you in secret will... My, the Father doesn't miss anything. If you pray and you enter into the closet rather than some ostentatious show of religiosity. Just go into the closet and pray. Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Now why is he talking about rewards? Because we like incentives. We like prizes. We like contests. We like to go for it. I was up at at our harvest project up on the North Shore And Jeremy went over the wall, and he just got down like this, and he sat like this. I knew what he was doing. I was over there. As soon as I saw him, I was over there. Why? Because it's a contest. Because we're going for something. We're going for a prize. Is that stupid? Well, Paul says, I'm going for the prize. I'm going for the real prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's going for it. He feels like an Olympic athlete, he says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He wants to, he wants to run in such a way that he wins. And then Jesus finishes up in this part where he talks about fasting. He says, when you fast, don't try to look holy. Like, man, you don't look too good. I know, I've been... Fasting for four days. Wow, you must really be holy. You just splash your face, put water, look, look happy, look like things are going well for you, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Jesus said that when he comes, Matthew 16, What's he going to do? He's going to bring his rewards with him. That must mean a lot to him. Rewards mean a lot to him if he's going to bring them with him when he comes. You can expect him as soon as he gets here. Listen to what he says. This is Jesus talking. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. My. 
This should encourage us. The Bible says if you even give a, a cup of cold water to a little person, heaven doesn't miss that. So, so you don't feel like you're going to be last in line when the awards are given. God's not looking for spectacular. He's looking for faithful. He's looking for people doing common deeds of kindness, acts of kindness toward the poor. Don't miss heaven's view. Loving those who don't love you back, that gets God's attention. And he loves to reward. He's proud. I was so proud of Andrew for what he had accomplished. God's, just picture God when you do that. God is so happy with you, so thankful that rather than live for yourself, you're living for others. You're doing acts of kindness, and he sees that. He doesn't overlook those things that you are doing. Jesus twice spoke about a master who gives things to his servants. Then he leaves and asks them to be good stewards. Two of them steward it well in the Matthew 25 passage. One doesn't. And what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful in the little. I will give you more responsibility. So God adds to those. He gives authority to those. Now what is this all about? Is this about salvation? No. There's a sequence. Theologians talk about salvation, sanctification, and glorification. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation brings us into the life of God through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We're born from above. Sanctification is that process in which we walk closer to the Lord Jesus. We look more like Him. Glorification starts when Jesus returns. We are heirs of all that is God's. We are joint heirs with Christ. So we share this wonderful inheritance with Him. And He gives us reward. How wonderful is that? It can be an incentive for us. We don't have to be afraid of the judgment. John talks about so that we we don't uh, feel fear, but we have confidence at the day of judgment. If you're seeking as best you know how to walk in faithfulness to what God gives you, it's not talking about doing more than anybody else. It's simply doing what you're told. Simply being obedient to what God gives you to do. Those who do that can, get, can be confident at the judgment day. It's more like an awards banquet than it is like the judge saying yes or no to your life. You guys that played athletics, you know at the end of the season there's an awards banquet and there are people that are just thankful they made the team, right? And then there are others that worked really hard and they got most improved player, most valuable player. Everybody is awarded because they're part of the team. But there are some that excelled. Where you excel in your, the ways that God gives you grace to excel in, faithfulness to him, he's going to reward you. Jesus talks about rewards. What about Paul? What about this man who is the trophy of grace, Christian killer? 
God turned him around, made him a trophy of his outlandish mercy. Does he talk about rewards? Yeah, he does a lot. This is not a, a, a doctrine that should be over in the corner because it seems to be central to Jesus. I never preached on it before. I've never heard a sermon. How many of you have heard a sermon on rewards before? Maybe some of you have. Okay, there have been a, a few. We haven't heard it. And it doesn't have to mess with your theology of grace because it's all God. God gives us the, the courage to step out, the courage to endure. James says, Blessed is a man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of righteousness, which God has promised to those who love him. Those who stand the test, those who don't give in, those who don't give up, they're going to have a, a crown. For those of you who lived in Greece, that's the Stephanos. It's not the crown of a king. It's the crown of a victor, an athletic, one who has, who has persisted. Are you enduring? Are there things that you're going through that are hard on you? Jesus is seeing you. He's giving you grace to walk through that. He says, don't give in. Don't give up. And as you walk that out, he says, way to go. There'll be an award waiting for you when you get to heaven. The Bible says those who honor God, what? He honors. If you honor God, he's going to honor you. You get it now? You get a little down payment now. Obedience is its own reward. But you primarily get it when he returns. And he brings his rewards with you. Can you man, that's better than Christmas. Think of the excitement that you will have as he gives you awards for the things that you did. Is that a cheap thing to think about as you're, as you're waiting for him to return? No, it's not cheap. He wants us to think that way. He wants us to think about the things that he's coming with so that we'll take that as an incentive to go for the prize. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a prize. They're, they're named different things. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of, of glory. I can't remember all the different kinds of crowns, but there are, there are different things that we're going to receive for the life that God allows us to walk in. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 3 using the analogy of a builder. And he says, if you build with materials that last, you will have a reward. As opposed to building with wood, hay, and stubble, and the building doesn't hold up, it says you'll still make it. So it's not an issue of salvation. You'll still make it in, but it says, as though through fire. In other words, by the skin of your teeth. You're in. You made the team. You're part of it. You played. But your works were burnt up. And so the judgment seat of Christ does not determine where you will spend eternity. 
You know where you'll spend eternity. You're going to spend it with Christ. But it does say something about how you will spend that time in eternity. It's impacted. Eternity is impacted by what you are doing today and tomorrow. Let that settle in. Here's a guy, Luke 19, who was faithful, and not in the little, it says in the very little. And the master says, I will put you over ten cities. Well, that's cool. That's quite an upgrade. That guy got a good deal. He was faithful in a little bit, and now he's leading cities. Scripture talks about governing, ruling. We will rule with Christ. What's going to be like for us? He doesn't want us to, to cower in fear, thinking, well, I'm not going to get anything. Get busy, brother. Get busy, sister. Live a selfless life of giving to others. We're not saved by works. What are we saved for? Works. By grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. That's what we're created for. We're created to do good works. We're created to care for other people. We're created for kindness. We're created to reach out to others instead of expecting others to come our way. We're created for that. And as we do it, what God gives us grace to do, as we do it, we're piling on the rewards. We can lay up treasures. Where? Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust, moth and rust don't break in and steal. Where, where thieves break in and steal, moth and rust corrupt. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Well, you can do that just by how you live each day. If you're living it for yourself, it's not going to be a happy judgment day. The Bible says there will be tears in heaven, but then it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I wonder if those will be tears of regret because we will not experience regret in eternity but in the judgment day, there will be those who will have regret for not having walked, carried out the will of the Lord, not having walked into their God-appointed destiny. I hope that's not you. I hope you're not lazy. I hope you're not living for yourself. Yeah, I've got Christ. I've got Christ. Every, everything is okay. I hope you're not lazy. I hope you're not concerned about your, so concerned about yourself that you can't even think about other people. Because if you do, there will be no reward. It's as simple as that. Scripture makes this very clear. And he wants this to be an incentive for us to drive us each day. I haven't thought that way. As I started studying this, I said, well, I want to think more about this because I do like rewards. I do like giving them out. I do like receiving them. Can any of you think of a time where you played a piece, you sang a song, you wrote a story, you painted a picture, you worked in a garden, you did something, and you got an award for it? Raise your hand. Anybody? A lot of you can remember. How did it feel? Did that feel good? Feel the sense of accomplishment, sense of value, a sense of worth? That's how the Father wants you to feel as you're doing these things, stacking them up, building treasures in heaven, and then getting ready for the return of Christ. He wants us to think about his return. In fact, Paul puts all his marbles in the return of Christ. Present, suffering, future, 
glory. Yeah. They're wonderful words. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful to hear Jesus say that? What, way to go. Way to go. Well done. Second Timothy 4 is a, is a sad chapter in many ways. Paul is alone. Demas has, has forsaken him. Other people have deserted. People have resisted him. He's cold. He's in prison. He asked somebody, uh, Luke, to bring the cloak. He said, get Mark, bring him with you. He'll be helpful for me. He's lonely. And he senses that things are about over. He says, I've, I've, I've poured out my life, and my departure is near. And then he says this to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. Paul could have been saying how gracious God is, and he did. But he also said, I know that there's something waiting for me on the other side. He said in Romans, so each of us will give an account of himself to God. Just want you to think of it now. If he came today, it's okay, give an account of how you use what I gave you. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm doing it to prompt you. I'm doing it to push on you. If you need to change your priorities, I'm telling you to change your priorities. I'm telling you to get your eyes off yourself. If you're living for yourself, if you're wasting time, I'm telling you to change. Get serious. We're in a war. We're not here to be entertained. You're not here to see how much you can get people to entertain you or to help you. You're here to help other people. You're here to give yourself a way to lay down your life, for goodness sake. You're not here to be entertained. And so Paul is urging us to live that kind of life because our lives are under the scrutiny of heaven. And so I want heaven to look and say, I see how you're living. I see how you're denying yourself. I see how you're, you're taking up your cross. I see how you're taking my strength and you're giving it away. You're touching other people. You're going to God town. You're going out with Revive. You're spending nights to advance the kingdom. You're helping other people. You're touching the needy. You're concerned about the poor. You're stacking them up. And that's not crass. That's not crude. That's incentive for change. What if everyone got a hold of this? And we turned 50, 70, 80 people into a group of people who were sold out for the kingdom of God and giving their life away in service to others. Powerful. Really powerful. For we must all appear. This is Paul talking to Christians. We must all appear 
before the judgment seat of Christ. Is that a threat? Not for Paul. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. If there are things done that bad, God's going to correct them. Say you shouldn't have done that. Now, this isn't time for condemnation, but it's time for correction. Time for tears, and then the Lord will wipe away the tears. We'll enter into eternity, into an eternity of bliss. But there is a judgment. Jesus is the judge, and he doesn't miss anything. So Jesus and Peter, are, or Jesus and Paul are pretty strong about this. What about the last writing in the New Testament? John, does he talk about rewards? Well, of course he does. He wrote Revelation. Listen to what Jesus says. This is Jesus talking, the last chapter of the Bible. Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. That's pretty wonderful. He's bringing it with you. He must think a lot about his rewards. He must think a lot about his bride to say, hey, I'm coming. I've got rewards in my back pocket. I've got them. I'm ready to give them as soon as I see you. I've got things I'm going to give you. Revelation eleven eighteen. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great. If you feel small, okay, you're here. Rewarding both small and and great. I want to pray with you in a moment, but I just want to share a couple things in closing. I have a friend, Johnny, who married Shelley. And two or three years after their marriage, she contracted cancer. I visited Johnny and Shelley in the hospital about a month or two before she died. I said, Johnny, this has got to be horrendous. You married her, and now you're spending all your time in the hospital. He was there at the hospital every, every day. He was taking records like he was a doctor. He was caring for her wonderfully. I said, it must be horrendous. How do you handle this? This is what he said. I'll never forget what he said. He said, God doesn't owe me anything. I owe God everything. Was he a victim? There's, there's, there's no victim in that. He was a victor. He said it was a privilege. It's been a privilege to serve her in this way. I don't want any victimization in my life. I don't want any poor me. I want to say, God doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. And then experience his love. Share it as best I can with those who, around me. And then let God pour it on however he chooses to. So now let's take this home. I'd like you just to uh, get in a position where you're receiving, you're resting in him, you're receiving.
Picture the father. Like Trent is tonight, a proud daddy with a newborn. Picture the father loving you, giving you everything good. Every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights, giving you everything, equipping you fully to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, giving you all that is necessary so that you may walk in his holy will, pouring it on you so that you can do it. And then he says, okay, go do it. He arms you for the battle. He promises to protect you. He promises to be with you always. And then he sends you out and he says, go get it done. Father, I pray for my friends here. I pray that this incentive would motivate any who are among us would acknowledge that they have been on the lazy side or they have been consumers and they haven't entered the fray, they haven't entered the battle. They're not seeking to influence others. We pray that you would work in their hearts tonight a longing, a desire to be a part of the team. I pray that at the end of their days, they could say what Paul said, I fought the good fight. They weren't fighting trivial little battles, but they were fighting real battles for life and death. That they could finish their race, the race that they started. Demas didn't finish it. How sad is that? We know of people that that were in the race and have left the race. Oh, how sad is that? that nothing would get you out of the race, that you would be in the race, you would stay in the race, that you would stay faithful to the one who called you, Jesus Christ, that you could keep the faith, and that you would know when Jesus returns, and when there's a time of review, you would hear him say, way to go, well done. Oh God, let it be true for each one here. Stir in hearts tonight. Stir in any who are saying, I'm not, I'm not confident of that right now. I'm not sure of that. I pray that you would stir in hearts. Change priorities tonight. I just feel really strongly that God's asking some of you right now to change some priorities, to look at how you're spending your time and adjust your priorities. He's serious. Change the way you're spending your time so that you can say to him, to Jesus, Jesus, I'm investing my time for you. I'm not saying quit your job. If you have a job, thank the Lord. Do it as best you can. Honor your employer. That's wonderful. That's God honoring. But I really hear God saying, change the way you're living. Change your priorities. I want you just to think about it for some time alone. Then we're going to just break up in groups. Instead of two, make it three, at least three or four tonight. 
and then talk together about this. We got time, it's just nine o'clock. We got some time, but I want you just to think for a moment about your life, your priority, how you're living it right now. And if Jesus were to come back tonight, would you be stuttering? Would you say, by God's grace, you gave, me, you gave me your Holy Spirit. I'm living my life for you. I'm not aware of anything, but if you show me, I want to live differently. I want you to be able to say that. I want you to have confidence for the day of judgment, as, as John says in 1 John 4. Okay, just take some time quietly to think about this. And be in small groups. We, we won't use this time so much for just talking, but we'll talk in your small group and then pray together. Groups of three, at least three, three or four would be good. You'll spin around, support one another. There are areas in your life where you say, I know this isn't an area that I'm doing well. Please pray for me that I can shore that up, so that I can be confident in the day of judgment. Father, Thank you for your Holy Spirit who moves among us and helps us to adjust those things that we need to adjust. Thank you that you give us time. Thank you that you help us. Thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He will convict. He will not condemn. If he convicted you tonight, then you respond in like manner to him. and Say, please, forgive me, heal me, change me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, turn, find two or three other people.